0: Ayers on the Road. Value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Iyers on the Road. Wow, the roads are icy, slushy, <laughs> icy, slushy. We are in the craziest weather this year we've ever been. To.
1: We can't find our roads. We, we've we had people here working just to try to find the roads. We said, find the roads. They're <laughs> under this 10 feet of snow somewhere. <laughs> oh, my oh. goodness. And to come back from Indian Wells from Palm Springs and come back into 10 feet of snow is quite an experience. Now, if you live in a valley somewhere you're probably having a pretty nice day today but up here in the mountains of park city we are snowed in and for all we know you're in tim
0: uh china timbuktu (laughs) timbuktu (laughs) but um it has really been the craziest winter in utah that we've ever seen
1: I wonder if some listeners are like, "Why do the Irish have to start with a weather report every week?" You know, <laughs>
0: we don't start every week. This <laughs> is just one of those things that is never has happened before. It is amazing. Wow, we have got a lot of snow. Well, the main, the main,
1: the main thing to say today, though, honey, is that we're so tired because guess what we did yesterday? <laughs> we <laughs> pretended we were young parents again, and we had four little kids and under uh, six two of them are <laughs> twins who are two years old and one of them's four who's a little bit wired and one of them's six who's... Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> the oldest
1: one is six and after one day of that how long did that day seem to last to you like 25 <laughs> oh
0: hours? it was so much fun we had such a fun time with those little twins and the kids were gone part of the time but you know it was one of those rush him off to there and him off to there and play games and have so much fun and we had so much fun but we're <laughs> kind of glad to be back to the quiet of our house today
1: <laughs> it makes you realize that parenting is for the young i mean i whew, we used to do that every day and instead of four kids, we had nine. And and it went on day after day and yeah, we but, survived. Yeah, but we had some older kids who really helped, but also some older kids who really
0: caused problems.
1: <laughs> what would so. you say, Linda, to parents who are listening today and who are right in the thick of what you call being in the, tre- the trenches? They're, their kids are demanding their attention 24-7. They have all kinds of things that they're trying to keep up with. They're still trying to take care of themselves as well as all those kids and you know it's just what i would say is bless you (laughs) oh my gosh that
0: that is a hard job but it's the most important job of the world and and most times really fun but there are just some really tough things
1: i've heard you say you know when you get the end of your rope as a young parent just Tie a, a knot and hang on. That's it. And keep That's, going, right? Yep.
0: That's not my quote, but I've loved that for a long time. Um, or the other one is, Oh God, of second chances, here I am again. <laughs> because you make so many mistakes. Oh goodness, you do. But, you know, kids are forgiving and, and um, it's, and we're still in that,
1: you know, in that situation. It is, Life is wild, right? Well, and you, you know, we can make a promise to all of you young parents that you will, strange as it sounds, you'll come to a time when you'll look back with relish on those days of little pitter-pat feet and people with needs and runny noses and running errands and pickups at school and all the rest of it. It's a just, it's a fleeting time, you know? we, we often start off the speeches we give with just a series of little of little slides showing uh, the passage of time. And here we are with our three little children just starting out as young parents. And then here's another one five years later and another one eight years later. And suddenly there's one that looks very much like the first picture, only it's our daughter with her three little children. And the the time flies and the amount of time we have with little children in our home—that hectic, hard, demanding time of parenting—really goes by fast. When you look back at it, it seems to go back it. go by pretty slow. But um, we figured out that uh, you know, if if you're if a child is with you for eighteen years before they go off to college or whatever they do, and in some countries it's much less. It's interesting how many places will oh, yeah. speak where kids are really with their parents off only until they're 12 yeah. or, or yeah. They're off to boarding school. But if it is 18, and if you live to be a normal lifespan, your child will be with you for about a seventh of your life. And the other the other six sevenths, that child won't be there. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Let's see, 18 yeah. years, 36, 72. Yeah, if you live to be in your late 80s, it'll really be more like about a fifth of your life. I guess you'll have that child. The other four fifths, you'll still have your golf game and your investments and your hobbies and your hopefully you'll still have your spouse. And by the way, that's another thing to think about is we um another thing we often do at the beginning of speeches is we say. Where do you think you're putting in? Because the speeches are almost always to young parents. So where do you think you're putting in the most time and the most mental effort on your marriage or on your parenting? Where are you? Where's the most effort and the most concern and the most thinking and the most acting and the most effort coming? And what would you say about? 90% 90% raise their yeah. hands and say parenting. Of I'm working course. harder at parenting than I am at my marriage. because It's in your face, and both parents are going
0: every which direction trying to get things done, whether they're both working or not, or if you're at home or not. It is just wild. So we did kind of point a little word that we'd like better, um, and that is, let's do a better job of marriaging,
1: Marriageing an action word like parenting a verb we are um still
0: working on that in fact Maraging for us is like you said that we're
1: still working on that
0: (laughs) well we are every day i mean we we had a crazy day yesterday and um we made it through it was fun to look back on and it really is gonna you know it is a hard thing to remember that the person you married is the most important person in your life that's who you're going to be with forever
1: that's that's what we believe that that's the person you'll be with forever that's what we hope the kids and
0: of course we'll have the kids but they'll they, have they their own be kids.
1: kids forever yeah and, and so you know i mean there's two lessons there there's just there's two lessons that are so simple that i wish we could all remember perpetually one is how fleeting our time is with the kids in our home and how necessary it is to prioritize them during that one-fifth of our lives that we have those kids with us. And the other lesson is that as important as the children are, there is one thing that's a little bit more important, and that is your marriage and your relationship with your spouse. And it's become kind of a uh, an end an joke in our family because of one time so many years ago when one of our daughters, I was telling her how much I loved her, she was just a little girl, and I don't know why. I can't even remember the circumstances. But I said, "You know, Shawnee, there's only one person I love, just a little bit more than you." And she didn't even wait for me to answer. She just, your face just clouded up, and she started to <laughs> cry. She said, "You love someone more than me." And I said, "Yes, it's your mom." And she just couldn't handle that for a while. <laughs> But, but she came to think of it as a wonderfully secure thing.
0: Yeah, she <laughs> she really loved it. And now she's had that same conversation with her children, yeah. which is really interesting <laughs> because that is a really important relationship. Anyway, um, we are uh, starting anew today. Every day is a new day, right? right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. We haven't been able to get to our house because of the snow, and a lot of other people are not able to get to our house, but we are going for it.
1: And we're going to do another three-letter lesson today, and we promised this a couple of weeks ago, and and we're kind of excited to get to it again, those of you who remember The three-letter lessons are just these little one-word, three-letter words that if we think of them in a certain way, they can become a subconscious part of our paradigm, of our nature, of our attitude, of how we think about things. And you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, we did the word sip. We were talking about how important it is to Savor things, to enjoy the moment, not to gulp down life, not to gorge ourselves, but to sip and to notice and to be sensitive to the little beauties in life. And that led us to want to do one today on (laughs) a three-letter word that doesn't sound very exotic or very, uh, you know, wise. It's it's just (laughs) the 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 three-letter word: eat. E A T. What, why would we want to talk about eating with I mean, other than we do it a lot.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, here and there, it seems like lately. Um, but, you know, that is the thing that keeps us going. We got to admit it. We do have to EAT.
1: And and in our travels, and so, many of you know, we've traveled in over 100 countries, and we've seen a lot of cultures in our many years. And Should I just be, let me overstate this. I apologize. I'm overstating this, but it'll get us into the subject. Generally speaking, Americans eat really, really poorly. Um, We eat way too much. We eat way too much fast food. We eat uh, in ways that are just, uh, we eat too fast we don't pay enough attention to what we eat and the thing that got us thinking about this the other day we were hearing a report that projected that by the year 2036 half of all Americans will be fat clinically fat not obese not 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 in a way that's extreme but but seriously overweight, overweight. and and in a world with such scarcity in some places. That's quite a remarkable thing and quite a frightening thing. And we want to tell you the story of of our recent uh, efforts to change the way we eat a little bit. And we want to see if it has some relevance to you. And it started um, about 15 months ago when we were in Hawaii for a two-month period. And we have one son of all of our children, the only one that was really struggling with weight, he he taught us some things. He went on a diet and lost about 50 pounds. Yeah, And he changed so dramatically, not only in how he looked, but in how he felt and what his attitude yeah, was thought, and how he yeah. thought that it really touched us. And we took a serious look at what we have we, always been don't you think we've been pretty conscious of, of how we've eaten? But this was like a sea change. This was a complete shift. Oh uh you're kind of conscious. I have been on a diet for since I
0: was about 16. Well <laughs> <laughs> um up and down. Would you down. really call
1: it a diet though? Yeah, You've well been yeah.
0: Conscious. I live without a lot of food, but um, but then you know it, but we do eat way too much sugar and salt. We were in Poland one time with a wonderful couple and we were sitting at a restaurant looking at the big square where um the Pope had spoken during the war. And yeah, were, yeah. You know, and there were lots and lots of people there. And they looked out and said, Look out on that square. Do you see anyone who's overweight? And we looked and we couldn't. Except there were tourists, yeah. you know, or a few tourists yeah. here and there, but um there there were not people that were overweight. And she said, this is because, I mean, we were astonished when we went to the USA uh, to These see Polish
1: people don't. how
0: many people were overweight. And the reason is, first of all, we walk everywhere, but we,
1: careful about what we eat. That's what this Polish woman was telling us. And that was about the time that a very interesting diet book came out with with an intriguing title, Why French Women Don't Get Fat. Remember that book? Right. And again, it's not because they don't eat and enjoy eating. Quite the contrary. They eat in a way that's more artful and more paced and more deliberate. Right, And so we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and tell you about something called the half diet diet. We think it's something you'll enjoy. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this brief message.
0: Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard
1: and Linda Eyer.
0: And we're back Um, talking about something some of you may be thinking of, have been thinking about also for a while, um, the art of dieting, (laughs) or the art of not dieting. I think that's probably
1: what we're talking about. Well, I I wrote a book uh, as a result of some of what we're talking about, and it is a diet book, and the name of it is the Half Diet Diet, and we'll explain that. But mainly, we're not going to promote the book today we're just going to tell you what some of the principles are or our story that led up to this and um bottom line on our personal story by the way is this this period in hawaii we spent two months on the keto diet our cardiologist said "Don't stay on it for long because it essentially uh you're too old (laughs) well well and and it's not heart healthy because you know you you eat a lot of protein and you eat no carbs and so on but it did bring our weight down to the level we wanted at. And then since then, you might call it the Mediterranean diet. We eat a lot of fruit and a lot of vegetables and very little meat. But we do eat a lot of fish, especially when we're in Hawaii. And we really, really try to be low on carbs. Yeah,
0: we've we've tried to uh, cut out a lot of the... Uh, oils, we just use olive oil and you know, pure oils, and it really is has made a huge difference. Our son was is so meticulous about this, and all of his levels are great. I mean, but he's in his 40s, yeah, so um, that that makes a big difference. But he said, uh, I was just going along, grabbing the chips and grabbing stuff off, and I got so that I was so miserable, mm-hmm. I was so tired all the time and i just i thought i've got to do something with my health and then just something clicked with him when he saw this yeah. uh video and he went for it and he kind of trained us first of all and we weren't we aren't really very well trained but
1: <laughs> well we're pretty disciplined now and one of, the, are... one of the simplest things about it and we learned this from a, a doctor friend of ours who said i just can't get my patients to be disciplined in what they eat at all. But one thing I can get them to do is, is eat only during certain times of the day. And so in a way it's intermittent fasting, but in her case, it's like don't eat before 11 in the morning and don't eat after 7. PM. There's a lot of people. That, doing there's that. A now. lot of people doing that. And the, the thing that's made the most difference to me personally, is just not eating after six 30 or seven, because I realized I was in the pattern that I'd eat late into the night. I'd eat while I watched TV, I'd eat while I watched a ball game, I'd eat at whatever performance I went to. And then there's nothing to do with that. You're not gonna exercise after that. It's just gonna sit in you all night and so on. At any rate, the good news is that we got our weight to where we wanted it and we've kept it there for quite a while. But 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 here but we want to expand this today. This is not a talk about a diet. This and the half diet book that we're going to be talking about is 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 misnamed, and and it's really some it's really about appetite control, and I think that's a fascinating subject. We may not have time to get deeply into it today, but the book starts off with a guarantee. That's the first page of the book. I want you to read that because it'll challenge people a little bit.
0: Okay, three things. Number one, you will lose weight quite a lot of weight in some cases. Two, your weight loss will actually be the least important thing this book does for you. And three, if one and two don't prove to be true, I will personally give you your money back. (laughs) Oh oh,
1: God, I
0: forgot about that. Did we ever send money
1: back? Nope, so far we haven't had a (laughs) single person say it didn't work and we're needing our money back. And the reason is because this is the simplest approach there is. This is this is the idea that essentially what we do as Americans and other Western countries are, are similar in this, we eat too fast and we eat too much. And changing both of those creates a very interesting change in a formula. Instead of sitting down and eating too much in a short amount of time, you sit down and eat half as fast and end up only eating half as much. And what we believe is that the enjoyment quotient of, of eating goes up as the the quality goes up as the quantity goes down. And I'm going to give you a theory that's pretty pretty wild in a minute, but bear with me on this first part. So if you sit down and one of the things we suggest is you set your fork down between every bite. You take a smaller bite and you you chew it longer you taste it longer you savor it longer and you set the fork down and then when you're ready for another bite you pick it up i drive people crazy now cuz i eat so slowly people, when we go you driving me nutty. <laughs> when we go out with the other couples for dinner i'm still eating and it's been like an hour but i really believe and i'm a little extreme in it but eating much much slower with smaller bites and st- bite does several things number one it slows you down and stops that caloric intake and it wins the battle over your appetite you're essentially holding your appetite at bay you're saying i'll eat on my pace i'm not going to eat the appetite wants you to gurgle and gorge and guzzle and and you know eat you're holding it off you're eating and you're 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 demanding better food because if you're just wolfing something down you hardly taste it but if you're eating slowly and deliberately and really trying to taste and savor your palate will start demanding better food you will not tolerate greasy stuff you will not tolerate stuff that has a weird aftertaste you'll 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 be aware is this really good food that I'm eating? And that's a, that makes a huge difference. And here's the promise that'll, that'll shock some of you. I think our bodies are wired in such a way that if you're giving your body all your, if you, if the, the quantity, if the quantity is unlimited, if you're just eating all the time, you're all your, there's, there's a part of your nutrient body that all it needs is a certain amount of nourishment. And If it gets a ton of stuff and it can find 30% of that that's nourishing, it's fine because it's getting what it needs. It's getting enough that the quantity is making up for the quality and it's getting enough to function. But if the quantity gets restricted, if you start eating half as much and, and you can do this literally you can do it by, you know, if you're out to eat, eat half the food on that plate and take the rest home in a in a, in a takeaway box, or give it to a homeless person on your way home or something, but only eat half of it, and you get in this habit of just half as much as what you've been used to, then what I believe, I re- this sounds a little extreme, but I actually believe this, if you restrict that quantity to half, your body then starts, if it can't get more quantity, it will start demanding more quality. And essentially your body will say to you, All right, if that's all you're gonna eat, you better eat something better than that. Because if if you only eat that much of crappy food, I'm not getting enough nourishment. Okay, so better stuff. So
0: I'm I've been kind of quiet because you have been so good at this. I, on the other hand, have learned a lot from doing this. And we actually, when you first did this, you put this out on a magazine and it was called Meridian Magazine. Yeah. And people it just was wrote in amazing amounts of letters saying, This is really helping me. This really does work. But I, and I really, you know, if you really stick to that, it really will work. But I really do love sugar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> here we go through confessions
0: and i have to admit that i i eat less i eat a lot less than i used to um and i eat half maybe half yes but i do have to have my little sugar fix um but i i can do what i need to do and still feel healthy and still have some treats and you have some treats too. Cherry Garcia ice cream. You have to. Yeah, make. but
1: I only eat like five little bites with a fork <laughs> of the Cherry Garcia <laughs> ice cream. I Maybe. limit the quantity <laughs> so severely.
0: <laughs> um, but um, I, I think you can do it. You can do it your way if you have in mind that your body does need certain nutrients. But once you have you know, supplied it with what it needs, then then you got to stop. Stop,
1: yeah. And, That's the hard part is the stopping.
0: And uh I don't find that too hard. I
1: always take. Yeah, off you are food. amazing at that. You are amazing um, at that. You, you you say I'm full. I'm. Mean, you don't even mean you're full. You mean you're you're full enough that you don't want you you, yeah, you can stop. Can't you can eat has you, you can moment. win that little battle right. with your appetite. And being the thing we've both learned is that being a little bit hungry is actually a good feeling. I mean, it's not it's not painful. It's not I'm not saying really hungry, but, but to stop before you're full and feel a little bit hungry actually makes you more alert, it makes you more aware, it makes you just feel lighter and better. Well,
0: but it also being realistic two yeah. hours later, it makes you feel like you That's need to do something That's true. else. And you have to just be careful about what else that you eat. So I have to say you've been the champion on this. I'm
1: uh, no, you're doing no, you're doing. But I
0: have maintained this weight loss, which is
1: really it is great. It's fantastic. It's rare. I want I want to read just a few of the things that have come in about this book. This simple idea of eating half, but eating slower and then I want to comment on it cuz it comes better from an outsider view and then I'll just comment on it so I'm going to, have, I'm going to just read a few of these cuz they're all short.
0: Um okay, here's a short one. A life-changing approach to weight loss. I love the insights about the spiritual aspects of our relationship to food and we haven't talked about that yet. I know this diet works. It totally is totally in harmony with this with spiritual truth. So how can it not work i've truly enjoyed your columns and especially appreciate how the three parts dovetail physical mental and spiritual i didn't need to lose weight but the slowing down and appreciating all aspects of my life have helped me to be more at peace with myself and the last one i found hope on both the physical and spiritual level i'm so grateful for the book given me the only hope i've felt in years of dieting
1: so i the 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 point of it all i mean really it's a it's a 200 page book and it's but it's all basically about this one thing and gives various techniques for eating slower and eating eating half twice the time but half the food and what you realize as you get partway into the book is it's, is food is just the physical appetite. It's just a metaphor for the rest of the book. The book is really about appetite control. Can we use the same approach, the same mentality to controlling our appetite for sex? Can we use it to, to work on our appetite for achievement, for power, for uh, success, for recognition? There's so many appetites in life, and we really believe, and because of time, we're way oversimplifying this, but the real point of mortality is learning to control appetites, all of our appetites, to be stronger than those appetites are. And we love the metaphor in the scriptures about the bridal. And we're horse people, as many of you longtime listeners know, and we love horses and we love that metaphor because we know how strong a horse is. I've been thrown across the barn by a horse just raising its head. And Linda's had some experiences with horses that (laughs) we won't get into right now, but they, the horse can kill you in a hurry and almost did once with Linda. But, but horses are beautiful and, and the appetite is not the enemy. That's the bottom line. It's like like the best way to control, the surest way to control a horse forever is to shoot it and kill it, right? And that's how many of us approach our appetites. We think they're bad things. We wish we didn't have them. Religion over the years has had a a problem with this like you know let's 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 take a vow of celibacy let's do that let's take a vow of poverty let's let's let's, whip let's ourselves. wipe ourselves let's wipe oh out all goodness. our our, adder, our our appetites but we think the bridle is the perfect metaphor because the horse or the appetite is a beautiful thing it's a powerful wonderful incredible thing if we can bridle it then and channel it and so the whole idea of this half diet diet is starting with food, but moving to all our appetites, finding ap- finding patterns in life and habits and approaches that allow us to be in control of these appetites and the bottom line is that the joy, there there is joy in eating a great big meal and gorging yourself. There's a kind of fulfillment in that. But it is small and insignificant and and minor compared to the joy that comes when you put your fork down and you stop and you eat half and you you go away a little hungry and you win that battle day after day after day. And you don't eat after seven o'clock or whatever the parameters are you set for yourself. And following that discipline, controlling those appetites brings a tremendous kind of joy.
0: So our challenge for you this week is by next week, have this all worked out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And lose weight.
0: And lose weight. Um, (laughs) And think, just think more about controlling. Yeah, that's our challenge. Self-control and doing the things that are really important instead of the things that you're obsessed with. So I think that we've given you something to think about. Hopefully we are going to be better at it too. And thanks so much for joining us. If you're
1: dying to have it, the name of the book is The Half Diet Diet. You can get it on Amazon or anywhere. But if you're not going to get the book, just think about what you just said, Linda. I want you to reiterate that challenge one more time. We're challenging you to think about your appetites.
0: Just control, control what you're thinking and doing. And that's the challenge of our lives, isn't it? Um, We don't always have to have everything we want, but what we want most is to be in control of ourselves. So good luck, and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road.
1: Bye till then.